Hello, my friends. Brett Patterson coming at you from the financial capital of the West, Salt Lake City, Utah, where I'm joined by my partner, good friend, very large man, <laughs> Brian Hunsaker. How are we doing today, Brian? That's not a fat joke, is it? No, dude. You're like... Your arms, you could throw a car at me if you wanted, B. Mm. Come on, man. Yeah. No fat jokes here. It's a sensitive subject. Hey, you're good. You're good. How are you? Doing good? Doing good. Yeah, doing good. All right, Brian, I got a question for you right out of the gate. We just ended second quarter of 2020. As far as the S&P 500 goes, it was the ninth best performance quarter since 1928 the ninth best we were up over 20 percent the russell 2000 which is small cap index since 1979 it was the third best quarter which is really when that index started the third best quarter in history i mean the s p 500 it as of right now is down 3.59% for the year. Now being June 1st. 20, July 1st. Or Ju- July 1st, 2020, yeah. mid-market. I mean, it's yeah. 11.23 Mountain Good time. news today from Pfizer in the vaccine. Pop the market up, right? Yeah. The NASDAQ is up 17.37% this year. And the Russell 2000. Wah, wah, wah. Down 14.4%. But let's look at the S&P 500. That's the market, Mm -hmm. down 3.59%. How in the world, with an unemployment rate at 13.3, and an economy that was shut down, and a virus that, if you listen to the media, is going to destroy us all. That's kind of a joke. Mm Kind of. How can the market be only down 3.59% B? What am I missing? Who would have thought? Three months later, we'd be where we are right now. Honestly, I, I didn't. I mean, Brett, maybe. Brett did, but at least by not your— Not this fast. Maybe not this fast. Not this but fast. But who would have Even thought? Even I didn't think it was this fast. Yeah, and I think you can, for a couple reasons, I think you can explain at least the— well, you can explain those indexes and those returns so far uh, year-to-date. Part of it is the response by the federal— government and the stimulus that they've thrown into this market so different and so much faster with so much more firepower than uh, 2008, 2009. I mean, it took them, I think it took them nine months to, you know, actually inject stimulus into the economy back in 2008. In 2008. Yeah, 2008. Yeah. And, and it took like nine days this time. I mean, and, they, and where did the money go yeah. in 2008? It went into the banking system. It went into the financial system to, to basically plug holes. And uh, this time, so different where all that money has been going into pockets of, of people. It's going into their bank accounts and uh, small businesses. And, uh, you know, we've talked about how the money supply, M1, M2, has just, blown, you know, exploded with high balances versus – uh, 08 and 09, that money did not, it just went into banks and shore up the financial system. And the banks hang on to it because they had to, they, they were, had to, increase. they weren't lending, right? Yeah, they weren't lending, right? They needed to secure their balance sheets. So they didn't, they didn't, it didn't go anywhere, right? 
this time, you mentioned you mentioned a few things, right? It, it, it sti- through the stimulus, it reached ordinary Americans through PPP, through heck, just waking up and getting a check from the government. Right. Uh, personal savings rate is at nine point six percent, which is the highest it's been since two thousand twelve. And then you talk about that M one, right? M one, M two. What in the heck is M one? Yeah. It's uh, M1 and M2 is uh, basically savings and bank accounts, uh, savings accounts and uh, financial financial institutions. And that has just exploded. So M1 is up 35% year over year, Mm -hmm. which is the amount that people have in their accounts. That's where they put their money. Mm -hmm. So is it fair to say the American... Household is in much better shape than it has been in recent past, and certainly better shape than what the news media makes it out to be. A lot better. Uh, 2008, the financial crisis, um, most people's biggest asset was really overvalued, and they were declining. Today, at their home. Yeah. Today, that's just the opposite, um, and uh, actually, home prices are holding pretty strong. And going up, going in up, right? A lot of regions, right? Yeah, right, they're going up. So that's a big difference. And the, another big difference that we've talked about before is the the financial system is much stronger, much better capitalized as opposed to back in 08 and 09. So in an economy that is led by the consumer is still really healthy compared to 2008-9 when it wasn't so healthy. Well, yeah, compared. I mean definitely compared, but yeah, if you're if we're looking at balance sheets and savings accounts and things like that, yes. Um of course, there's a lot of people out of out of work right now and uh of course that's not good. But they're getting money from the government anyway. Right. Right. That ends this month. Mm-hmm. Probably going to be ex- you know, extended. They're making more money than they ever have been. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> the that, consumers in good shape. Cons- and some are making more than what they would have made at yeah. their at their regular paying job. So, you know, yeah. with that ends, that might uh, help getting people back to work. And of course, we got to get this this dang coronavirus under control and. So, yeah, absolutely. But what so so that's one reason why the market has rebounded. Really because of the unprecedented action of the Fed and the Treasury through their stimulus packages. Why and why else? Any other reasons why the market is has done so well? So there's a there's a fair amount of company. Well, the biggest companies in the world, the big the big cap uh, technology companies, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, Apple, those businesses have, have actually done really well, and uh, a lot of most, if not all, of those businesses I mentioned are up significantly, uh, even since you know with the coronavirus and up on the year. Um, and then you mentioned mentioned the Russell two thousand, where it's down what thirteen, fourteen percent year to date, fourteen point four percent. Yeah, and uh, so it's kind of haves and have nots. I mean, there's there's businesses that are significantly down. The financials are down twenty five, thirty percent. Industrials are down significantly. Uh, but those are a smaller portion of the index. And so when you look at the index, it's a market-weighted index uh, and uh, a measuring tool. And it doesn't really 
I mean, it tells you that there's some companies doing really well, and there are some companies that are, you know, their price, their stock prices are way down. So the S and P 500, which tracks the largest 500 companies, is is it does not give equal weight in its index to all of those companies. Right. Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Facebook, Google, five companies have a weighting of 21.57% of the S&P 500. Those companies have gone gangbusters this year. Yeah. Because have. everything's gone tech. Right. More so than ever before. So that, you say, is skewing the actual returns of the market in a way. To where the S and P is only down three point five nine percent, but the Russell two thousand, two thousand companies, smaller companies, is down fourteen point four percent. Right, right, yeah. It's it's, uh, and I think a lot of people look at that and say, how can how can that be? You know, we have this coronavirus. We're in a recession. Maybe, maybe not. You know, we'll find out. Yeah. And uh, how can how can the market be only down? You know, three or four percent year to date that just i mean that that kind of blows me away but when you really look at the numbers it's it's you can understand you can the hood. yeah you look under yeah. the hood you can understand so it. so here's an interesting thing the the russell uh not the russell but the s&p 500 there's an etf that is equal weighted mm -hmm. so it gives equal weight to all the companies in the s&p 500 that index is down 12.17 percent yeah that shows you the impact of those five biggest stocks and really the top 20 holdings of the S&P 500. And that's probably a better representation of the overall economy, maybe down, you know, yeah. 10, 12% yep. and and stocks. Uh but if you own the S&P 500, you're you're only down, you know, 3 or 3 or 4%. Or or you're heavily weighted towards those five stocks in your portfolio. Right. You're doing okay. You're doing okay. Yeah, right. up seventeen percent right. the, the Nasdaq. Mm -hmm. All right. So, any other reasons why the market is doing as well as it is? The other reason is interest rates. Uh, interest rates. What interest rates? Well, <laughs> <laughs> there yeah, isn't any. Exactly. There's zero. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The ten-year Treasury is point six five point seven percent, and. Uh, that is the uh, kind of the benchmark. That's the risk-free rate of return. And uh, if interest rates, if say the ten-year was at four or five percent, um, that would have a big impact on where the markets would be trading today. I think if the markets were, if the S, if the ten-year Treasury was at say four percent, I think the market would be lower than what it is today. But, but. I mean, you have a dividend yield on the S and P five hundred. That's that's what I was just looking up. What is it? One point eight four percent. One point, almost two percent. Yep. Uh, three. T you know, it's uh, the the dividend yield in the S and P looks a lot more attractive to me than the ten year treasury. And that that has. Oh a, yeah. Yeah, that is that's another. You get big a better reason. income flow and the chance for growth. Right. The ten year. Yep. Get a big pile of. Burger. Whatever that is. Right, right. So here's here's the other thing, too, that's that's different right now. And we've been saying this, and I don't want to harp on it continually, Brian, but most recessions are due to excesses in the economy. Mm -hmm. Tech bubble, excesses. Housing crisis, excesses. To where those bubbles burst, 
all these tangled assets, which are a mess, these derivatives and all, all of this stuff, look, it has to be fixed before the economy can run efficiently again. This time, we had a stay-at-home order mandated to where we had this vice grip on the economy. No, no real structural problems. So as that vice grip loosens that clamp loosens, then you can make the argument, which I am right now, that the economy will bounce back quicker because there were no structural issues heading into this recession. Yeah. I don't know if I'd say there's no, no, but nothing to, nothing to the degree of, uh, for example, the dot-com bubble in the late 90s or the real estate the bubble and frenzy going on in 08, you know, well, building up to 08 and 09. I mean, that was going on for some time. There was some crazy imbalances during those times. And mm-hmm. to me, it was pretty obvious. I mean, I was, I was in the business uh, during both of those um, times. And uh, it was pretty obvious to me that there were some big imbalances. And I, you know, I was worried, worried about it. And we invested our portfolios based on, you know, those worries there. Today, it's not clear to me that we have any sort of any any imbalances like that. That uh, well, I mean, the 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 imbalance that I th- I think is potentially is the government bond rates are so the interest rates are so low, and the reason for great that great time to refi, by the way, and, if you haven't. Yeah, the interest rates are so <laughs> low, but the reason why those rates are so low is because the bond prices are so high. I mean, if you look at the, you know, the equivalent of a PE multiple on the 10-year treasury, it's like paying 130 or 133 times earnings. That's a bubble. I mean, that's that's just crazy. That's just too high. So the imbalance right now is not necessarily, or the or the problem really isn't um, economic as it has been in the past, but it's more of a relationship to stocks and bonds. And bonds are so overvalued right now that there could be a coming crisis in the bond market, is what you're saying. There could be. Yeah, I would be very weary of only long-dated bonds, long bonds, long-duration bonds. Um, if you own the 30-year treasury, say a 30-year treasury bond, interest rates go up. Yep. Oh, you know, you're in a world of hurt. It's it's going gonna, it's gonna to be ugly. It's going to be real ugly. Right. Uh, for the record, I've tried shorting bonds, long-term bonds, for five years, and I've got my, I've got it, just the crap knocked out of me every time. Yeah, maybe this is the time. That's not a recommendation because I'll probably get the crap knocked out of me again. It's going to take some. <laughs> I think it's going to take some time before we see pressure on higher yeah, rates. And what's yeah. going to drive that, in my opinion, is is uh, inflation. And uh, with this M one M two. The, the money supply just exploding and and that could be that could be the trigger that's we we start getting some inflation and we see higher interest rates and uh, and that could be really bad for bonds that's also going to be a could be a headwind for stocks but I think the best way to fight inflation is to own great businesses is through equities right right owning businesses you don't want to yes. be in cash you 100%. don't you don't want to be in cash you don't want to be in fixed assets when you have inflation or right. high, higher interest rates that, that's absolutely not where you want to be the best way to 
to manage purchasing power risk, which is inflation and taxes, right? Yeah. Is by owning a great business. Great businesses. Right. And that's 100%. what we do. We own a basket. I mean, that's that's what we try to do here is own a basket of great businesses that we think will do well over a long period of time. Yep. So the issues that I see due to this coronavirus are issues to retail, which we've seen many bankruptcies. Mm-hmm. Good, good long-term, I shouldn't say good because they're bankrupt. Popular names that have now gone bankrupt. The cruise industry, the airline industry, right? There's a lot of industries that have been hurt because of this. So I don't want to say that there's no issues. That's where the issues lie. Right. So here's the other question I have for you. With earnings, which are dried up, I mean, they're down 30-ish percent Mm -hmm. for 2020. And the market so high. Doesn't that mean that the market is just too overvalued to buy right now? Earnings, uh, you have to look at it over a long period of time, and you have to kind of look at I, the way I look at it is you, you look at um, earnings over a cycle or what I would call normalized earnings. What's a cycle? How so, long is a cycle? Well, a cycle is you know up and up through through recessions and through you know kind of high points in the economy so you're going through ups and down cycles that's a cycle so just a bigger a, a, a longer sample size yeah. that includes several so several 20, years 20, 30 years something yeah like yeah okay, okay yeah and uh but stocks are going to look really expensive uh right when you're in a recession and it, my my point is if you look at 2008 2009 that time frame Earnings went down significantly in 2009. I mean, they were they were terrible, and the PE multiple on the S and P was 61 times. I think that's I think that's at the end of the year. That's what it ended up. It was a 60 time 61 times uh, earnings in in 19 in 2009, and the market went up as we know. Uh, 2009, 2010, the market went up significantly. I think I don't know the number, but I know it was up significantly. Yeah. And the PE multiple went down to uh, like 17 times in 2010, something like that. I don't know. Those are not exact numbers, but I'm in the ballpark. And that's because earnings rebounded. And I think what's going to happen here is, yes, stocks look expensive today based on forecasted earnings for the S&P this year because we're, we're in a recession, or at least at least we were in a recession or downturn in – Q2, the current quarter we just ended. There's no mm-hmm. question the earnings are going to be down. They'll probably be down in Q3, and we'll start to see some recovery in Q4. That's just a guess. But earnings are going to be down this year. The reported earnings for 2020, PE is going to PE multiples are going to look high. But you got to look at 2021, 2022. Look, you know, look in the future. And before this year started, before the coronavirus, the S&P estimate for earnings this year was around $170-180 on the S&P 500 and at cur- today's current price that's about a 17 PE multiple and uh which is normal which is normal and maybe a little above normal but but also you got to take into consideration interest rates are way below normal and so i think there's a good argument that stocks are worth more when you have a 10 year you know at a 0.65 0.7% and uh, 
I would argue that stocks are not in a bubble territory. You got you, you got to look through the cycle through earnings and normalized earnings, and it might take it might take a year or two before we hit that one seventy one eighty in earnings for, for on the S and P. But I think it will happen. If you look at the long term trend in, in earnings growth, the S and P earns six seven percent every in not every year, but the average over over a long period of time over the last fifty years is they earn between six and eight percent. And that includes recessions. I mean, that mm-hmm. includes the downturns. Yep. So, based on so what you're saying, so in summary, the market to you is not overvalued at these levels. If you look at those factors, if you look at it over the next several years, I would say no. Okay. Um, when the market went down thirty percent. 36, what was it, 34% in, uh, was the peak? 37% S&P 500, March 23rd. Peak, peak to trough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that would have assumed that earnings were going to be down probably f- f- no earnings this year and probably a decline in long-term earnings of 30 40%. I could actually calculate that. I mean, I'm just kind of guessing. So with the market down 37%, you're saying the market was essentially saying. At that point. No, at that point, no earnings for 2020. And probably no earnings for the next couple of years. For the next couple of years. Right. Or or you could say no earnings this year and dec- uh, lower earnings moving forward for over a long period of time. and Which is. I mean, as a market is, is it possible? Is, is it possible? No. But what? <laughs> I would say no. that it's a there's that it is possible that, but it's not probable. I mean, I think it's a low probability. Like something what? Like point zero three? Something like that. <laughs> of course, the media likes to oh. throw out any possible scenario and make a big deal about it in the headline, oh, even though it's sure. not a probable scenario. For sure. That's my. That's a a big gripe I have with the media. Oh, don't get us started on the media today. Let's do that another time. Right. Which, remember, the market always bottoms when the news is the absolute worst. A 20 PE multiple is uh, about 5% or, uh, each year over the next 20 years. Mm-hmm. And so if we, had a, if we had no earnings in 2020, that just means that the S&P 500 should be down about 5%. And if we had... No earnings the next year should be down about ten percent. So really, so, in March, as the market was pricing in zero earnings, we should have been down five percent. But fear, right? Fear always plays into that. Fear not only of the markets in an economic shutdown, but the fear that people had about possibly getting a virus that could kill them. Mm-hmm. We had two different types of fear, which we've really never had before which caused people to freak out. Now, as that clamp is loosened and as people really dive into the numbers, the coronavirus, they're figuring out, oh, maybe not as bad as the media still is saying. I don't know about you, Brett, but uh, I, it, just, it just wears you down. It wears me down looking at the current headlines you know, day, day after day about coronavirus. I stopped. I, I ju- had to. I just, I just can't. Yeah, it's a bunch of... Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, in so so last thing 
that I wanted to, to talk about is what we've done with our portfolios, not giving any details, but just as a high, high level. What we've done with our portfolios through February, March, April, May, you know, and now. And that is, I, I would say our portfolios are more of a barbell right now. Meaning on one end, you have companies that have certainly benefited and that have done really well this year. You know, some of the tech names that we own. Then you look at the other side of the, and really some of the tech names we were able to buy and add to our portfolios in March. We had, there was a few companies that uh, have been on our wish list that we're able to add to our portfolio during the during the downturn. Yep. That we, Even those companies sold off. Right. So we oh, were able to there was a, there was a point where everything sold yep. off. Uh, so yeah. that's one end of this one end of the end of the spectrum. The other end is on that barbell, we have companies that that we've purchased and some that we've held on that when the reopening occurs should benefit greatly. And that could be in the next 6 months, it could be in the next 5 years. We don't know, but it's good value companies, great businesses bought at great prices that really have lagged still because of the economic conditions. Mm-hmm. And and some people are uh, a little frustrated with some of those names right now um, because they haven't participated. I am, B. You are. <laughs> they haven't participated in this rebound. No. I mean, they're, they're still down. And if things turn out... Uh, Better than ex- expected for these businesses, which I think there's a reasonable, ch- a good chance, yeah, reasonable reasonable chance that that happens. Um, I think we could see some, you know, some pretty good uh, recoveries in in those those names. So what could happen if you look at that barbell is you have all these names that everybody's buying when all hell breaks loose, and they do really well, and all the other names that everybody sells. Well, at some point that's going to flip. Mm-hmm. And people are going to stop buying those names when a vaccine comes out, for example, and start buying the names that we've already bought. Right. And so you're going to see the rotation occur, and you're going to see that Russell 2000 start to catch up to the S&P 500. Mm-hmm. And that's how we've built the portfolio. Yep. And, you know, we're owners of businesses. We don't, we don't trade businesses. That's not, that's not what we do. We own businesses. Um, it's very, very difficult, in my opinion, to try to time when to get in and out of a business. Um, and uh, I think it, and that's why our results, I think, over a long period of time have, has worked because we own businesses. We're not trading in and out. Yep. And we've seen it. You and I, we've, seen, we've been in the business long enough. We've seen people who try to, you know, try to time and get in and out of the market and uh they're still in cash it doesn't it doesn't work it doesn't work (laughs) yeah it's really hard so in summary to this whole podcast the market is trading where it's at and is only down three something percent it makes total sense if you look under the hood things aren't that bad the consumer's better than 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 most think it's there's a it's lot of weighted towards really, really good companies that have done really, really well, and so it does make sense. Well, and then you take into consideration the, what the Federal Reserve's done, our government's done. Yep. You take into consideration. You take into consideration where interest rates are at. You take into consideration where the financial system is at. They're in a they're in a good position, you know, right now to handle this 
handle the stresses where, where they weren't uh, 10 years ago, 12 years ago. So, I mean, there's a lot of different reasons why you could explain if you really look under the hood and say, okay, yeah, it probably does make sense. And then if you look at the equal weighted indexes or the Russell, you say, okay, that makes more sense yep. than the S&P. The S&P is kind of a head scratcher unless you look under the hood. But we're in a new bull market, B. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we've said this from the beginning. When the markets fall as fast as they do, typically they rebound faster than everybody believes it's going to. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happened. So my friends, buy great businesses, be optimistic for the future. And with that, until next time. This is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized financial advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's financial situation is unique, and the topics discussed on this broadcast should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized advice. Specific financial securities discussed are not intended to address any listener's particular financial situation and should not be considered recommendations. This is for educational purposes only. For more information, please contact Iron Gate Global Advisors at info at or by calling 888-591-0334.